Welcome back, Art World. We are... <laughs> Why do we always laugh right after I that? I think because we're so focused on uh, world. It's <laughs> This was the worst title to <laughs> name of a podcast for two people. Art Who can't say world. ours. <laughs> All right. We are back. It's Lisa. Across from me, Miss Art World. How are we doing today? We're doing good. Yeah? We're doing really good. Uh, first, before we get into anything, the thing that we always forget to do oh, is yeah. give our <laughs> ourselves a shout out. Uh, this if is you, what we call a selfish plug. <laughs> yeah. We have a brand new Instagram account. Yes. So you can find us and anything that we're talking about will be posted on Instagram. And that is the Art World Podcast. Yeah. So uh, give us a follow. Um, and also, we are a new uh, podcast, and we are looking for those reviews and those ratings. So if you like what you're hearing, please, please, please uh, just give us a, you know, five stars if you like it. <laughs> um, if you leave a review, put your social media handle. Um, I will slide into your DMs. I'll get your address. I'm going to mail you a free sticker. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone loves stickers. We all love stickers. Yes. <laughs> and one day we might even have better merch. But for now, stickers are life. Yes. <laughs> Broke artist problems. Exactly. We can only afford very small stickers. But we want you to have it for free. Yes. Just keep it in your wallet. You know, you can like give it to other people or yeah, throw you can it, stick it to stuff. Throw it on your water bottle. Everyone stay Ooh, hydrated. That's cool. <laughs> Lisa's hydration tip of the day. Lisa, are you going to put it on your uh, hydro flask? I will. It'll be my first sticker on my hydro flask. I'll put it on mine, too. Will you? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's a big I'm day. dedicated. <laughs> so we care a lot about our podcast. I really want, like, a uh, coffee mug, like, with our... With our faces. With our faces on it. Maybe not. Maybe that's weird. We're, we're only a little bit narcissists. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. All right, so today's topic, let's just dive right on into it. Okay. Art education. Art education. Art education. Specifically <laughs> uh, MFA programs, yep. right? So, so that is a Master's of Fine Arts? Yes. God, I'm so smart. And I think the reason that we're talking about this is because we are on Reddit We as are. Well. Um, and we had someone reach out about... Um, an interview process for what it's like to go um, into an interview for your MFA. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, they said they were going for a top school in the U.S. Um, they didn't specify which one. And I was like, yo, girl's best friend went to Pratt. <laughs> Let me ask her. <laughs> so uh, if you guys ever have a topic that you want us to discuss, just tweet us. Because we're tweet also us. On, on Twitter. Yep, slide into our DMs on Insta. Um, hit us up. We're, yeah. We'll answer whatever you have. So there's a huge debate in the art world mm-hmm. whether or not MFAs are worth getting or not. Really? Yeah. There's a lot of artists that um, don't think that it's worth going and getting. Okay. Um, and what is important is a Master's of Fine Arts is a terminal degree for artists. There's no doctorate in art. There's a doctorate in art history, but that's different. Okay. Um, so the reason I got my master's is two parts. <laughs> so I got my undergrad at Cal State Bakersfield. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> <woo-hoo>! <laughs> and, you know, I, I left um, not feeling like I had that great of 
an education. So I Mm. knew that I wanted to continue. And also I'm one of, and I'm an artist that always knew that I would have a full-time day job and would do my art on the side. Um, like, so being a gallery director or working in the arts, um, I knew that I needed to get my master's to kind of work my way up and Mm -hmm. have a decent paying job so that I would have money to do my performance art. Um, So I decided two years after I graduated from Cal State Bakersfield to apply to get my master's. And I applied to 10 different schools. I got into about half. Okay. um, And I had interviews with three of them. Okay. And one interview with Pratt was um, through Skype. Okay. One um, interview with a Boston school was they invited you there and you interviewed and then did a school tour. And then another um, school was on the phone. Okay. Um, I prefer the Skype interview the best if you can't go in person. Obviously, if you can go in person, it'd be awesome. Yeah. But... um, I think specifically for um, her question, as far as doing a Skype interview, it's basically thinking about if you were doing a YouTube channel, like think about your audio, think about what is on display um, in the back of you, like having a clean, not cluttered, busy background and also being aware of what's going to be going on around you because you want to be focused. You don't want to have like your mom or child banging on the door trying to interrupt. So I purposely went to a quiet space where no one would. I actually did it in the gallery. Oh, really? Yeah. Smart. Um, so it looked all professional. Okay. It looked like I was in a gallery. Yeah. I think I even hung one of my pieces in nice. the back of me. <laughs> <laughs> That's so smart, though. Mm-hmm. Product placement. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I obviously don't, don't have my MFA. Um but one thing I can say as someone who has interviewed a lot of people, um, when you're doing a Skype interview, I feel like a lot of things um, or a lot of people that you interview get so focused on watching themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, inst- That's so smart. Yeah, instead of looking into the camera and watching the other people. Um, and it loses that sense of engagement. Yes. Um, and so don't focus on yourself. Focus on the people you're talking to because you want to create that personal connection in an interview. And it's where, like, with a lot of job interviews, um, people can end up losing it. Yes. Um, So that's my one little tidbit. No, that's so smart. And I would even, I know how people say, like, oh, if you do a Skype interview, you can uh, wear your PJ pants and no one will know. I really feel like if you dress up like you're going to interview, you do better just because you take on those characteristics. Like, you take it more seriously when you're dressed up for the 100%. Um, if you're doing it in person, bring your examples of your pieces, uh, bring your resume, bring your statement, and, and copies if you need to give them out. Um, and just honestly be yourself. That sounds stupid, but they are really looking for a genuine artist who's passionate about what they're doing. And practice and I'm sure you would agree with me, Lisa, yes. if you practice your interview and saying answers to questions out loud makes a huge difference. You can have it all in your head, but when it is coming out of your mouth, it will be very different if you don't practice it out loud. I agree 100%. Um, 
anytime I've gone into an interview, they always start with like, tell me about yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I have like a full speech ready. And it's going to hit every topic that I want them to know about me in that first little tidbit. It's not too long, but I've practiced it. I know it. And I truly believe that's what makes it every time I do an interview. And those, the questions of like, why should we pick you? Yeah. Will come up in a MFA program interview because they only have a certain number of spots that they can give out to students and be ready to take on those questions. Don't Say, well, it'd be great if I went into the program. Be confident in your art and say, no, you should want me because I'm really excited about the program. Do your research into the faculty. Uh, I did that, actually. I was re- good. I was like, oh, I'm so excited to work mm-hmm. with Linda Francis. I've been following her work for a really long time. That means that you're already invested in the school that you're interviewing for. Absolutely. I mean, to be honest, I do that with jobs. Mm-hmm. I will cyber stalk <laughs> my future boss and find out things that they're interested <laughs> in. Um, it's what you have to do to like really stand out and show that you care. Or like, um, one thing I would say too, you mentioned that if you go to an inter- in-person interview, you always have examples of your work. You have your resume. You have your statement. Um, I would say even on a Skype interview, have all of that ready in a mm. folder. Because um, even if, you know, you've already set, sent in with your application, but maybe the people interviewing you um, only printed out one page of it. So you can say, hey, I'm going to shoot this to you in an email real quick. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's what happens, but I would always have everything on hand, ready to go, and pretty much just ready for them. No, that's smart. And all the interviews that I did um, had multiple people. Exactly. Don't let that freak you out that there's three to five people in the room. They just want to... Three to five more people you can win over. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) You just get one on your side and they can, like, get in with the rest. Yeah. I love interviews because, like, when in your life are you going to be able to talk about something you know more about? You are a true expert about yourself. It's true. So you should be able to sell it better than anything else. (laughs) (laughs) And I think, so last time we said that galleries um, are, if you want to be represented by a gallery, galleries are looking for a business partner. And so are schools. They want to make sure that you are uh, professional and that you're serious about your craft. And it's not just, uh, oh yeah, I do this on the weekends and I don't have a statement written but if you're going for your MFA, you probably are, are serious because it's a big step. So, um, so running off of um, this topic, how do you think getting your MFA affected uh, your artwork? Um, not so much your day job, but your work as an artist. So I'm a huge advocate, huge advocate. Okay. And I don't know if it's because my undergrad was left me a little uh, wanting yeah. of more. <laughs> But I grew so much in my work. So I went into the MFA program. Most of the time they have you pick an emphasis. Okay. And what's great about Pratt is you work in your emphasis, but you're not, um, you don't have to stay in it. So when I was there, I took sculpture classes, I took printmaking, and I left more of a performance artist than I was a painter. And that was totally okay. That's great. Um, so did you go in as a painter? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I went in, my entire application was paintings. And it was, I think, you want to shoot for about 12 to 15, sometimes 20 strong pieces okay. when you apply for your MFA. And was that your magazine? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
Very cool. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I did not know this about you. And the first uh, critique that I had, uh-huh. so in grad school, at least at Pratt, you would have critiques uh, maybe like two, three times a week. So Which you just get used to doing critiques. We are going to do an entire episode just on critiques. Yeah, they're awful. This fascinates me. Uh, so my first critique was with uh, Linda Francis, who uh, ended Linda. up <laughs> being my thesis teacher. But so they, I came from California to Mm -hmm. New York and they expected you already to have like pieces with you. Okay. And I didn't know this, so I didn't bring any pieces. So my first critique was week one, maybe week two. And I went crazy trying to do like three different paintings. And she walks into my studio and is like, you can't paint. Like you're just a bad painter. You need to rethink this. And so does I she call, does she not remember doing this as well? She doesn't remember doing this. She's like, Linda. I would never say that to a student. Thank goodness that there's other people around me that are like, yeah, you did say that. Oh my gosh! But yeah, just be ready for tears and sadness yeah. and critiques. But it helped me so much because I was like, well, I know I can paint. Yeah. But let me try something else because I need a good grade from her. Yeah. So that's how I kind of went into sculpture and all different kinds of things and my work definitely improved and made me think about art in a completely different way so if someone asked me whether they should go to grad school Mm -hmm. I'd be like hell yeah yeah do it um just be prepared to be in debt for the rest of your life (laughs) um so you do a lot of performance art Mm -hmm. um you still paint uh I've seen some of your work in progress at home Mm -hmm. um and I know your performance art really impacts a lot of people, and that's what you do in galleries a lot. But what is the work that you um, like just lose yourself in, like when you are having a long day? Um, I don't know. Is it performance? No. I don't imagine you. I don't imagine you just in like your spare room alone <laughs> so. performing <laughs> by myself. Performance art is actually the most stressful art form for me. I can imagine. Uh, painting is definitely where I can lose myself and okay. spend hours upon hours of just painting yeah that's awesome it's definitely my favorite art form Mm -hmm. but I think performance art it stresses me out so much because I find it so important and so the ability to reach people in a different way is great um so I take it so seriously and that's why it's so stressful awesome and there's that whole element of who the heck knows what's going to happen yeah so you can have a um, art opening and have your pieces hanging on the wall and yeah. it's stressful because you don't know how people are going to react to it but it's up there this is what's going to be on the walls for the next you know month and a half uh, there's not that element of holy crap um, this could all go wrong and be awful a awful performance piece well, and it's so stressful um, the piece I did with you um, cemented Mm-hmm. Um, where we were covered in, we were wearing all these black bodysuits. We had eye masks on. The video's up on YouTube. Um, and we came in crawling into the gallery from different areas. A packed, blindfolded. Blindfolded. Yeah. Packed gallery. I think I hit someone's leg at one point. <laughs> and I was like so nervous going into it. I don't know how you do it every weekend. Yeah. It's <laughs> insane. But that's why I love it. Yeah. It, it was, has that. It was invigorating. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely that adrenaline rush. Yeah. So. Awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. Any other notes on MFA programs? Uh, just really think about it if you are going to do it. Um, 
and it's helped me in both my art and my career wise. Mm -hmm. I think, um, I wouldn't have the position or there's a huge respect that goes into people knowing that you have your MFA. You definitely don't need it to be an artist, but I don't think that it would ever hurt you. Um, and not everyone in my program passed. So, uh, just take it super seriously and, you know, let us know if there's any questions that you have going into it. Yeah. And I would say too, um, not to speak on your behalf, but you call it your day job, but you have a full fledged career. Like (laughs) you have a very serious career. Um, and a lot of it was your MFA that had you stand out, um, Mm -hmm. in the interview process. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I do for people who are not artists who are listening to this podcast, you should definitely check out open studios, uh, for MFAs. If you're looking to collect art, but you aren't ready to collect art in the gallery world, uh, MFA programs are a great place to go to get pretty cheap art, but really interesting art that will become important later as their career grows. So you can really get in, um, to a market or to, um, an artist series that you might not be able to get into later, but you have their piece. So it's a really great opportunity for buyers. That's awesome. So it's, um, actually kind of funny. I was on, um, little side story uh instagram um doing some art stalking um (laughs) and i came across this woman who took pictures with these three pieces and i started reading into her um bio and she was a she got her mfa from pratt um and she now lives i think in like los angeles she got her mfa from pratt yeah oh wow yeah um (laughs) (laughs) i did not see this coming in the story And she now lives, I believe, in Los Angeles, but she was back in New York um, visiting, I think, friends and family, and she had to go to the bathroom really bad, and so she ran into a doctor's office um, and used the restroom, and as she was coming back out, um, she saw her work that she did back when she was a student hanging on his walls. Dang. And so she took a picture with it, and she was like... As much as I'm like, you know, a little my embarrassed by my work back then, it was so cool to run into my pieces like mm-hmm. in the wild like that. That's so Isn't cool. Isn't that kind of cool? I thought yeah. it was like kismet, you know? Yeah. What are the chances? That's how I think that's one of those moments that you know like you you made it as an yeah. artist when you just like randomly run into your own work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought it was so cool. I was like, wow. That, that is cool. Yeah. I want my art to be in a doctor's office (laughs) one day. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, awesome. Anything else? Uh, Do you want me to share with you my uh, shocking MFA story? Yeah. Yeah? Um, So, I was like probably a few months in, and... Uh, the way that the studios are set up there, it's an entire floor of like a factory. And so we don't have closed doors in this type of studio. Okay. And I was working in it and the guy kind of across from me was having a critique and his work, um, he would take stills from Japanese pornos of the one girl, like all of it from this one girl that he uh 
was pretty much obsessed with. That's what it sounds like. Um, but they weren't, um, like, sexualized. They were, like, of her face and her expressions. So okay. it wasn't pornographic, but they were from pornos. Okay. So you knew that he had to be watching these um, porns. Uh, so my MFA program was a, mainly a bunch of women. Yeah. And they ripped him apart in his really? critique. Like, terrible. Yeah. Like, why are you, um, like, abusing her as you're painting her? Um, and my, uh, the teacher was like, why don't you just own that you are obsessed and you love her? Like, yeah. you're, this is an obsession for you. Yeah. You have to own it. Or, like, his excuse for painting her was that he wanted to dive into the Japanese culture of porn. Mm -hmm. And no one bought it because we all knew, Well, and you it's know, the same female every time. It's not various. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so he had this critique and everyone laughed and I could hear him, like, ripping and cutting up his pieces. No way. Yeah. And it was so shocking to me. And I, like went up to him and I was like, hey, are you okay? Yeah. And he's like, I just want to be left alone. And so he ripped up um, his pieces. And then like a week later, he hung up the ripped pieces up back on the yeah. wall. And that was like, his I don't statement. know. Yeah, his statement wow. piece. It was insane. Uh, yeah, that is, I do not know how I would handle that situation. Mm -mm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's that's my shocking MFA story. It's a good story. Nice. Okay, so I think we have art news next. We do. But before I dive into that, I have a topic I want to bring up right now. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so we, in the past, we did fun facts um, oh. about us. And I have a fun fact about you. <laughs> um, so, like, a lot of Miss Art World's um, work has to do with glitter mm -hmm. and i swear to god every time i see you you have glitter do somewhere glitter you have glitter on your face right oh. now <laughs> is that on my nose it's on like your cheek um i've seen her come into work with it like there was it was in her teeth once it was on her eyeball <laughs> in her ear <laughs> and now every time i go to your house i end up covered in glitter and i've seen it all over our office <laughs> And I just had to say it because it's now on your cheek. Oh, and you, no. the best part is she doesn't even wipe it away anymore. She's just like, cool. <laughs> this is my art. <laughs> just going to let it hang out. Uh, you know, I feel uh, terrible for Tyler, my husband. Oh, my gosh. People like, must think he just works at a strip club. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just to be like, no, no. My wife bathed, bathed in glitter this yeah. weekend. <laughs> <laughs> it's normal. Yeah. So bad. Yeah. So bad. I'm just going to carry a pouch tied to my waist with yep. glitter, and then whenever I feel happy, I'm going to... I think so. Or whenever someone says, like, you know you have glitter on you, you're just gonna, you should glitter bomb them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It would be amazing. <laughs> They'll never say it again, except me, because I'll be like, okay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so much glitter on us. So much office. glitter. I love it. All right. So, art news. Mm -hmm. um, so, this was my segment this week. Um, coming up March 8th through 17th in Austin, Texas is South by Southwest, um, which is well-known music festival, um, but it also has a big component about the arts. Um, and so they do art programming where a lot of their money goes back into the arts, um, and they're going to be doing like a series of artist talks, 
Um, and the goal is to create a dynamic discussion between patrons, curators, institutions, startups, technologists, designers, designers, and visual artists addressing key topics facing the art world. Um, and so the main art talks are going to be March 11th and 12th. Um, I think it's just really exciting and I love the idea of, um, just combining music festivals with arts, Mm -hmm. um, because it puts... Um, the arts in front of people who may not always um, be as interested. Mm-hmm. Or vice versa, like with uh, art lovers and to go there and then discover music. Like it, they're both creative um, fields and to marry them together and bring it, bring, allow people um, to experience the creativity in different ways, I think is, is awesome. Absolutely. Is this, uh, do you know if they've been doing it um, every year? Is it an annual um, thing? The art program? Mm-hmm. I believe so, yeah. Okay. Um, it was one of the core um, any kind of pillars that the music festival was built on. Okay. Who, yeah. who what are the musicians that are performing there? Oh. oh, there's a lot. I'm just curious if they're like pop. Um... Yeah. They, so South by Southwest is interesting because... Um, in the festival industry, it's unique, and it was kind of like the first of its kind. Um, it truly takes over Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has its main fairgrounds, which usually has big headlining acts, um, which I will look up um, briefly. Mm-hmm. But it also, um, if you go to Rainy Street, if you go to Sixth Street, they have um, ancillary events. That where they bring in their own musicians, which can be um, kind of like newer, up and coming um, acoustic or um, not so poppy. A lot of a lot of country. It is Texas, mm-hmm. um, but it's really exciting. And you spent some time in Texas. I did. When you were there, did you ever go to galleries or? I don't. I don't know if you were into the arts back then. Um, gosh. So I didn't go to many galleries. I did hang out in Deep Ellum, which is, um, I lived in Dallas. Um, so that's kind of the arts district of Dallas. Okay. Um, and so you see more street art down there. Um, and then I went to a few, um, gallery exhibits in Allen, Texas. Okay. Um, but I wouldn't say it was at the caliber that you would get in Los Angeles by any means. Mm-hmm. Was it more traditional? Uh, art that you would see there? Um, I, I would say so, um, at least in Allen. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Deep Ellum, it was very much, um, what would you consider more like contemporary, kind of like the main gallery? Okay. Um, w- w- is that contemporary art? The main gallery? In New Hall. In New Hall. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's not conceptual, but it's definitely, like, contemporary. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. so that's what I'd say, more deep Ellum. It was trying to reach um, kind of people new to the arts um, okay. who are young and out. Um, yeah. The main gallery is a gallery um, located in uh, Santa Clarita, and it kind of focuses more on street art and contemporary, more of, like, an underground feel feel. Uh, from, like pulling in for artists that are up and coming from Los Angeles. 
So it's definitely a space to check out. Yeah. Um, and then so at uh, South by Southwest, um, they're going to have like Amanda Palmer, um, Swerve Driver, Echo, um, Ezra Collective. Um, so it's kind of uh, it's I wouldn't say it's as much like crazy headliners like Coachella, but um, from all around the world up and coming. They have Korea post rock groups. Um, they have an indie group from New Zealand. Can I uh, take one for the team from yeah. me? I don't know who any of those people are that you just read. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Uh, uh, Which you know? is the point. Like, an yeah. artist could go and discover Amanda someone. Palmer. Palmer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I would um, just be on the lookout on Instagram, Twitter, if you're not in Austin, follow it. They're going to have really interesting stuff going on. Okay. Um, South by is huge. Cool. Yeah. Um, and so from there, I also have our featured artist of the week. Woohoo! Hey. I feel like we need a sound bite. God, we really do. Like a do 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 Thank you. <laughs> All right. So my featured artist of this week is Lori Frick. Um, and to tie it in, she is going to be doing a art talk at, um, South by Southwest about the changing role of women in the arts. I like the tie in. Yes. Thank you. That's, you know, really where I hit my stride. (laughs) Um, so she's on a panel, um, but the focus is to hear from female leaders in the art world as they discuss the changing landscape from where it was to where it's at and where it needs to head. Okay. Um, she's also done TED Talks, um, and I would imagine that um, the talk from South by Southwest will be put somewhere online. Um, and so once I find that, after it happens, we can post it. Um, and that tar- talk is going to be March 11th. And um, Lori Frick, uh, Lori L-O-R-I, and then last name F-R-I-C-K. And we'll post a piece of her work on our Insta Okay. Um, did I spell that wrong? You did. <laughs> oh, never mind. So you got the last name. The Erase. first name is Lori, oh. L-A-U-R-I-E. Oh, I was way off. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't listen to me at all. <laughs> okay, so I find um, Lori's work to be super interesting. So she calls herself a data artist. Um, and her Instagram is um, Lori Frick, L-A-U-R-I-E-F-R-I-C-K. Um, and she works in a number of different mediums, um, from dyed felt to um, dyed paper to um, glass. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool. So what she's doing is um, she has a background as a scientist. She works with scientists at UT, um, but she is an artist. And she is taking human patterns um, and like the brain waves and what you're going through in different moments in your life, um, and turning them into pieces of art that show a pattern. So she's um, measuring the brain waves, yeah, to create something visual, yes, so to make her art. So it's like a tie between science, technology, and art. I love that. Yeah, that it's and so innovative. Honestly, that is. Um, there's more artists doing it, but it's still very rare to tie art and science together. Yes. In a way that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, and her work, when you see it at the end, it's it's beautiful. 
Um, and I think it's interesting because like if you walked up to it, you wouldn't know right away. And then once you learn that it's like brainwaves and like, is this, are these brainwaves like in the heat of an argument? What was this person feeling at this time? Mm -hmm. Um, were they happy? Were they sad? Um, I think it would almost make it very interesting to be at a showcase of hers and go from one piece to the other and try and find out the patterns yourself and really like dig into it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So they come out more abstract. Yes. Pieces, but with probably a lot of movement. A lot of movement and a lot of color. Mm -hmm. And it'd be really interesting to like die to attend one of her shows and hear her speak about the meaning of the colors behind her pieces. I think it'd be fascinating. And who she is monitoring. Like it I'm assuming she did herself. Yeah, I believe she started out um, doing, like, her own sleep patterns and then Mm -hmm. her husband's and then moved into um, other people. Um, And, like, even one of her works that we'll post is about the personality quirks of your relationship in wool. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so I find it really interesting. And I could imagine um, a collector or someone being, like, do my brainwaves and then make art out of it. Well, yeah, you immediately think of how, what your self would yeah. look like as this brain wave abstract art piece exactly because it almost becomes not abstract anymore there's a meaning and a purpose mathematically exactly mathematically is the right scientifically word. scientifically <laughs> of why the patterns are coming out on this piece yeah and you would want to see what yourself look like especially like uh, when you're sleeping because we don't really know how our brain like brain activity while we're sleeping yeah and you kind of wonder like if you wake up a lot at night like were you stressed or what what factors go into it Mm -hmm. um so it's i don't know i just find it super fascinating and i think there's some that are um a little bit like easier to figure out like she has these like big like wall pieces Mm. um oh yeah and then she has other ones like the blown glass um which are very abstract. Um, and the wall piece that we're looking at um, has a lot of colors. Like, the it's a blue background and then these different stripes. So she has bright yellow, green, purple, orange, and red. And they kind of zigzag down the wall that yeah, she's working on. Yeah, kind of like peaking on. like you would imagine, like a heart rate monitor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I wonder, and I don't know if you know this, but how does the art versus the science communities react to her work? You know, I'm not really sure. I would assume they're pretty accepting of it since she is a speaker at this big um, technology art conference that's combining it. Mm-hmm. Um, and she works with a lot of scientists, so I'm sure um, they're supportive. I guess from the art industry, what do you think? I would assume that he, that she's well accepted. I'd have to do some more research, but... What she's doing is very interesting, mm-hmm. and it's visually aesthetic, which is visually pleasing, yeah. but also conceptual, like there's a meaning behind the patterns that is coming out, and that is very, um, tr- I want to say trending, but the art world is very much interested right now in things that are aesthetically pleasing, but also um, conceptual that have a meaning behind why why you are doing this work. Well, and personally, I think as someone who is um, new to the art world um, and doesn't have an education in art, 
I really like art that is pleasing, but also like I can, I'm trying to find the meaning of it instead of completely abstract, mm-hmm. um, which I have a harder time like kind of coming up with if I'm looking at an abstract piece and just being like, what does this mean? Like, it's pretty, but I really don't know mm-hmm. all the time. Um, and that is just my lack of, um, like, being uninformed. Um, but with work like this, I can go in and and think critically. Mm-hmm. And that's exciting for me to go into a gallery space or go into and really look and, and feel like I walked away with um, a deeper meaning. And what's so nice, I, I find, about the art world lately yeah um is that we are looking for artists with more diversity mm-hmm. with a variety of different backgrounds we're not looking for always a starving artist on the street that has been struggling for a long time and finally made it like that's a story that has been told over and over it's very fascinating to have her background being in engineering and with science and then breaking in and using all of this for art that's fascinating it's interesting because it feels like like she was trying to go such a a standardized route Mm. but like the art was like needing to come out of her like it was like (laughs) ready to like flow out of her you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like like she was trying to do science and she just wanted to create out of it which is not a scientist way of doing things but um I think it's fascinating and so I think everyone go follow her um, be on the lookout, listen to her TED Talk. She's awesome. And she's working in a f- both fields, so science and art, that women have struggled to gain momentum yeah, and to break in, into. And to be in both and just, like, hanging out. She's and a doing- badass. Yeah. So <laughs> I am really interested in hearing her panel discussion. Yeah, it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and as always, we'll share her stuff. Um, of course. Of course. Send her some love. Send her all the love. And um, I think that's... Do we have anything else for the people this week? For the people? For the people. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> all right. Well, then, um, we'll be dropping this and, of course, having some more content coming your way. So and send us some love. Send us all the love. Yes. Because we love you. We do love you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye.